2,000 years ago, the early followers of Jesus, trying to survive under an oppressive Roman government that was hostile towards them, developed methods and means to communicate to each other so as they wouldn't so easily give themselves away. And so what they would do is when they would meet someone to try and find out if that person was another follower of the way, they would greet them and say, he is risen. And if the person responded, he is risen indeed, they knew that he was a fellow follower of the way. And so here at a place where it costs us nothing to declare that Jesus is Lord, I'd like to remember those who, to whom it cost everything. And so I would like to say to you this morning, he is risen. Some of you are on your game. Some of you are sleeping still. <laughs> Let's try that again. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. <laughs> I need to put my glasses on so I can read. After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you were looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Let's pray together. Father, as we gather on this day, we do remember that day. And Father, we have a desire for the power of what you have done to be powerful within us that this time here would be a continuing of the work you have done and are doing and will do. And so may our hearts be open, may our minds be attentive to what your spirit would speak to us. And may we leave this place, this park, on April 8th, 2012, touched and changed by you. May it be a lasting work that you do within our lives. We do pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we gather together on a, a day like this, let me adjust this mic so it quits falling off. You know, I wonder how do we make what has happened and what we're celebrating here any more amazing than what it is? 
I think we tend to go in kind of a couple of directions. One, we either say, I'm sorry, I, I don't buy that. This guy came alive after he was dead. Or else maybe we've come to Easter services over and over and over again, and it's just become mundane, it's become routine. But let's face it, this isn't something that we encounter on a regular basis, people coming back from the dead. You never hear, hey man, did you hear about Mabel? No, what, didn't she die? Yeah, she's back. Yeah, she was at Walmart, she was stocking up on echinacea and vitamin C. She said she doesn't want to go through that again. You know, that's just not what happens. And so it's something that is a little bit overwhelming for us to grasp hold of. But you see, I don't think there can really be worship if there is not wonder. If you're not in awe of God and who he is and what he can do, you're really not able to worship him. And sometimes we lose the, the wonder of what this day is about. We lose the wonder of who God is and what he's done. We, we start to separate ourselves from the magnificence of what this day is. When we were children, we had no problem with wonder. We were all born explorers. I, I love it when uh, a mom goes to the beach with her little toddler. You know, they're about six months old, seven months old. And he's dressed all cute and he's got his sunglasses on and his little hat. And then mom just puts out this little five by five blanket, lays it nice on the sand as if this is a magic boundary that this little kid is going to stay on for the whole day. No way. Two seconds after you put him on that blanket, he sees the seagull and he wants to catch the seagull. Even though the seagull can fly, I've got to try and get a closer look. And he hears the ocean, and so he starts making his way to the ocean, and this poor mom in about half hour is run ragged trying to keep this little guy on the blanket. No, get back here. Don't you see there's sand everywhere? Don't care. I'm here to explore this whole new world, and everything is new. When a little baby sees its toes for the first time, they are the most amazing things in the world. Toes, where did those come from? They're following me everywhere. And the curiosity is so overwhelming that they have to explore what these toes are about. And so every child is born able to do yoga. And they take those toes and they put them in their mouth because they just have to explore them more fully. I'm no longer that curious. But I was at one time. I wanted to know. I was in awe. And sometimes we find that's the case too with the resurrection. There was a time when it, it has impacted our life, the magnificent of what this means. But maybe in time we've lost the fascination and understanding of how powerful this event is. And I'm so aware that many of us have maybe come to church on Easter, and that's the only day we come to churches on this Easter Sunday. And so you've probably heard the same message over and over again, and you think that's all we talk about. It's like, no, I've been to church. Yeah, but you've been just the one day. There's 51 other weeks that we talk about different things, I promise you. 
But knowing that, I, I want to try and explore the resurrection and not just go to a scripture perhaps that you've heard over and over again, but try and go to a place that maybe we can relate a little bit more to, to, to look at a resurrection of someone who is more like us. Jesus is unique. He was born of a virgin. I'm not even going to ask for hands because I know the answer of who wasn't. But there is still resurrection that takes place for the common people like us. And so I want to turn to John's gospel and look at Lazarus' story. It's a little bit lengthy, the passage I'm going to read, so hopefully you can stick with me here. I'll go through it quick. Again, aware of the sun. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary, and loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. That did not answer the question, by the way, they're going to try and kill you. Okay, Just so you know, if you're trying to figure it out, they were too. If that makes you feel any better. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples were men and were kind of dense and didn't get the subtlety of his words. It doesn't say that, I just added that in for our sake, though he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of his disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. You got to love these guys. Okay, I guess we'll die too. Thanks for the boost, Thomas. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at that day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world, which isn't really answering his question. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was gone to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across, a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time there is a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always have heard me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with stripes of linen, strips of linen, and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I believe that this event that took place with Lazarus shines a light on the human condition, something that we have since the beginning wondered. What happens to us after we die? Is there more? Is there life after death? And you see, really, we are not afraid of dying. What we are afraid of is not existing. It's almost like the person who says they're afraid to fly. They're not really afraid of flying. And you tell them, you're, you know, it's unreasonable for you to be afraid of flying. I mean, it's safer to drive on the streets than it is to fly. I mean, it's safer to fly than it is to drive on the streets. That's what I meant to say. But, you see, when my car stalls, as a plane flies over our head, when my car stalls, it doesn't plummet 30,000 feet. You see, I'm not afraid to fly, I'm afraid to plummet. That's what the fear is, and really what we're afraid of is not dying, it's that who we are, all the things that are important to us, 
the things that we are passionate about and love, that we care about, that have meaning to us, we're afraid that when we die, that is going to cease. That's really what we are afraid of, that we're going to die, it's going to be no more, and, and we will cease to exist. And, and so what we try to do is strive to exist as long as we can. We take the vitamins, we do these things, and, and we think in longevity. We think, if I could just live longer, if I could live longer, but we don't think, I wonder if I could live more fully. Because death is an epidemic. And it's been going on since the beginning. And it happens still. And it's going to happen to us as well. What we really want to find out is then how and what happens after we die. How can we move past this fear of not existing? And instead of trying to live longer, maybe we could try and live better. You see, Jesus knows Lazarus is sick and he waits. And he gets there too late. When he hears Lazarus is sick, instead of making his way there, he takes his time and he says, no, it's good that I wait here. And you see, it always seems that God is showing up late. It always seems, especially in cases like this, that if you were here sooner, Lord, my brother wouldn't have died. But you see, the truth is, every one of us, from the time we were born, that hourglass is turned over. And with every breath you take from the time you were a baby until you get older, the grains are falling with each breath until your time is going to run out. Aren't you guys glad you came this morning, don't I? Make you feel better. But that's the truth of the human condition. And you see, what Jesus is doing is dealing with the truth of the human condition. You and I are going to die, just like Lazarus died. And what he's trying to bring about is that there is more. You just need to be aware of it. And how can he make us aware of it? How can he, he get us to understand? Because what we think is that, well, he must not care. He delayed. He must not care. I'm sick. He must not care. The person I loved has died. He must not care. But what he does do is really care. It says in verses 5 that he loved them. It later on says that he was moved and that he wept. And so it's not that he doesn't care. He cares deeply. These aren't just people that he met and he touched and he healed. These are his friends. These are people that he, he's been involved with. These are people who he loves. Why would he allow this to happen to them? Why does God allow things to happen to us? Why do we have to deal with death? Can't you deal with this sooner? But that's not the human condition. You see, perspective is really important here. 
Jesus was actually late for their sakes. He is there to try and show them that there is more. And what we need to understand is we are more. You see, I have this Bible here, and it's in my hands. And if I take it out of my hands and put it over here, it it doesn't stop existing. It's still there. It's just not in my possession right now. And who we are when our body is put aside doesn't stop to exist. It just exists somewhere else. But it's still you. You are more than a shell. You are more than a body. Prove it. Jesus said, okay, I will. And that's what he's doing here is proving that there is more than this shell that we hold on to. He's proving that there is a life that is actually beyond this shell. And so what he does is he gives us the example through Lazarus. We, we think chronologically. We think we're, we're born, we live, we die, and then hopefully we live afterwards. But that's not how God sees things. He doesn't see it chronologically. He, he sees that there is a life that lives even in spite of death. And he's here to prove it to them. And, and I love it because he says then, roll the stone away. And here, Martha just said, I believe you, Lord. But once he says, roll the stone away, he goes, oh, it's been four days. He's really dead. There's a stench. He stinks. You see, I believe, but I don't know if I believe enough to roll the stone away. I don't know if I believe enough to get rid of that because there is that which I really don't want to face. Jesus said, if I, didn't I tell you? if you believed that you would see the glory of God. Don't you know that if you believe in me that I can deal with the stench? That what I am, who I am, is stronger than what you're afraid of. And so I don't know whether they believed it or just trusted him, but they did roll the stone away. And then we... We just read the story and we know what happens. Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And, and there's been a lot of talk about why Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. A lot of people speculated if he would have just said, come out, that everyone would have came out. But he seems to be more pointed. You know, he said, Lazarus, come out. And then Lazarus comes out. And he's all wrapped kind of like a mummy, right? He's got the grave clothes on, the strips of linen around him. So I wonder, how did he come out? Did he like come popping out? I mean, just, I just, Lazarus come out, all of a sudden he comes out. It's kind of like one of those old Pez candies. You know, you pop it open and there he is. And there, whoop, out of the tomb comes Lazarus. And there he is. And then Jesus says, go and, and unbandage him. You go. <laughs> That's kind of creepy. There's this dead guy and he's coming out. Go tell him. And there's so much more I wish we could have about this story. There's no interview of Lazarus. So what happened? How was it the last four days? Can you tell me anything? Think of the man's poor wife. He goes back home, goes to sleep that night in the bed next to this guy. He used to be dead. 
touches his feet. Oh, they're cold, you know, freaks out. Oh, God, what's going on? Sorry, I'm taking a little detour here. But you see, Jesus calls his name. He says, Lazarus, come out. And he does. And you see, eternity enters time every time that God calls out, calls us out by name. Every time we hear his voice and every time we respond to him, we are connecting to what is eternal. And I have a question for us this morning. Jesus called a dead man by name out of the grave. Are you less responsive to the voice of God calling you out than a dead man? Jesus is calling each of us out by name. He's inviting us into a relationship, a living relationship with him. Are we less responsive than Lazarus was to the life that he's calling us out to live? Maybe what Jesus is telling us is that without God, we are dead men. We are the walking dead. Because what he goes on to say is he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever lives and believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he even goes further and he says, whoever lives and believes in me isn't going to die. You see, until we respond to this voice, what he's really saying is, you exist, but you're not really alive. You exist in this shadow of death, and so you are haunted wondering, what's going to happen? Am I going to cease to exist? And what Jesus is saying, if you believe that I am the resurrection and the life, then you will not just exist, but you will actually be alive. And he says there is a difference that takes place here and now while the sand is going through the hourglass, that there is something that needs to change within us. He says we need to be born the second time. There needs to be a new life that comes within us so that we can actually be alive. You see, how do you convince someone who thinks they're alive that they're not really? How can you prove that? And that's what Jesus is doing. And so Jesus says this prayer, and I love this prayer because it's kind of like he's talking to himself almost in this prayer. I mean, it's, he's, it's, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew you always hear me, but I said this for these people. It's like, God, I don't need to talk to you, but I am because they're eavesdropping right now, and I want them to hear what you and I already know. And I want them to know who I am, that they can believe that what I offer is actually life. You see, if Lazarus didn't come out of that tomb, everyone could think, well, yeah, we're living, we're, we're fine, but they wouldn't know that they're just existing. But when he called Lazarus come out and they saw him come out, they said, whoa, this is someone who is different. What this man is saying means more than what we've heard. When he says, I am the resurrection and the life, 
It means more than just living this life and maybe one day when you die, you'll get to come back to life. He's trying to give us life while we are just existing. And now we have the voice of God calling out to us to come out, to be alive, to try and live and not just exist. And you see, that is the message, the, why Jesus went to the cross. So that we could have an understanding of life. Well, why he took death and, and put a stake through its heart and said, I'll take care of this for you. I'll conquer what you are unable to. None of us can do that. He had to. And he did. And to prove that he did, he said, I'm going to conquer death and come back and bring life. And, and the reason we're here on this resurrection day is because God created you and me for life. That's what we were designed for. And until you have life, you're always going to wonder and perhaps fear death. The best way to make sure that you have an afterlife is to make sure that you have life before death. And that's what Jesus' words are here to challenge us. The proof that there is life after death is that there is proof that there is life before death. And when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, He's pointing to something that we need. And that's why he asks the question, do you believe this? Because to get connected to the life that God offers to us here and now, we have to believe in the life, which is Jesus. And so we are here today not to just remember something that happened Long ago, what we are here today to do is to acknowledge that he is life and that our life is hid in him so that we don't have to worry about death, that even though we die, yet will we live and we can live now and never die. Oh, your body, it, it might be put somewhere else. It might be over there but what you have is life. Because the one who is life has appeared, made himself known to us. We have handled him and see, seen that he is God, given to us so that we could connect to God and have life. Let's pray together. Father, I don't know how to make more powerful what you have done. I don't know how to, to put awe in our hearts for what this day represents. And your words are a challenge to all of us. They, they make us question what we believe when you say you are the resurrection and the life. That if we believe in you, Though we die, we will live. And if we live and believe in you, we will not die. God, what does...
that mean for us right here, right now? How does that change who we are as people? How does that move us from a place of existing to a place of living in wonder and awe and worship of who you are in a place where there is no death? And we no longer have to to fear dying because we have a life that goes on past this body, past the time when we leave that body. And Lord, you know where we're at here. You know the fears, the, the hesitancies we have just to want to follow after you. But Lord, perhaps someone here this morning has been touched by your words and that question, do you believe, is prompting them to, to want to believe. And quickly, as we're praying right now, if you are here this morning and you do want to believe, you, you want this life that Jesus is talking about, all that is necessary is for you to ask him for this life. For you to pray and say, Jesus, I believe in you and I want the life that you give so that I don't have to fear death. So that I can know that there is life that goes on forever. That there isn't the fear awaiting what will happen when I die. That there is life within me that will not die. I want to move from a place of existence to living. I want to move from a place of just trying to find and trying to discover what will keep me alive longer. And I want to move from living longer to living fully. Lord, I don't want to just exist. I want to be alive. And if you ask God to give you that, he is faithful and he will. And if you pray to him and ask him, he will give you his spirit to work within your heart and your life to make these things known. Father, I do thank you for this morning and I pray you would bless everyone's day as they go and spend time with family and enjoy food and these things that the meaning in the moment of what has happened in your resurrection would impact our lives, that the meaning of this day that we celebrate would still bring awe and wonder that we would worship you because of who you are, because of all you've done on this day. Thank you for being alive and thank you for giving us alive that we can live forever with you. I do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you guys for coming out. I hope you have a wonderful time with your family. You guys, we got some amazing goodies over here. Please don't leave without eating some of them. Otherwise, I'll have to eat them all when you guys go. God bless you guys.